Luke chapter number 18. Y'all still alive? Say amen tonight. Boy, God's been good to us this morning. Lord, let me not to ruin it. Amen. Uh, verse number 10. We've read this the last several Sundays, but we're going to read it again tonight just to get the context of the message. We see here in verse number 10, uh, two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other uh, a publican. And the Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast, excuse me, I fast twice in the week. I give tithes of all that I possess. And the publican standing afar off would not lift so much as his voice or as his eyes up. I did this last Sunday. Let me try verse 13 again. We're going to back up and hit it again. And the publican, standing afar off, would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Verse 14, I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone that exalteth himself shall be abased, and he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank You for Your blessings. Lord, we thank You for sending Your Son. God, we thank You, Lord, that He was obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We thank You for His humility that He showed there in that passage in Philippians 2. We're thankful, Lord, that through His humility and His sacrifice on Calvary, that we today here at Lighthouse can have life and we can have hope and we can have eternal security and an abundant life. And God, we thank you, Lord, that you exalted him in his death and in his resurrection and in his soon coming. (laughs) You exalted him and gave him a name that is above every name. And God, we're thankful for the day that I bowed and I called upon that name, and I'm thankful for that day that I bowed and and began to give honor and glory to Him. But God, there's others tonight, Lord, that need to do the same. And so, Father, we pray today that You would lift up that name that is above every name tonight. I pray that You'd help our folks here, those that cannot come, we pray that You would touch them. Lord, give us a blessing tonight from Your Word. We thank You in Jesus' name. Amen. We finished the thought tonight on facing the giant of pride. And I'll start with the quote that uh, I've highlighted. As we approach this giant of pride, the question is not, does this giant exist in my life? But rather, where does this giant exist in my life? And so we, we dealt with the problem of pride... We defined it the best that we can. We told you that Jonathan Edwards called pride the worst viper that is in the heart and the greatest disturber of the soul's peace and sweet communion with pride. We talked about the characteristics of pride. And then we begin to deal with the, or we will tonight begin to deal with the power of humility. So with every giant, they have to have something that you can overcome that giant with. So let's finish 
the the first portion of this message and then finish it up uh, with the last. Uh, just the last point about the characteristics of pride is it is divisive. Pride is divisive. We've we've told you that uh, it is deceptive, it is destructive, it is devouring, but it is divisive. In Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 10, Scripture says, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. I've, I've looked at, for whatever reason, no intention really on my part to prepare for this message or anything, but it seems like over the last several weeks I've looked at, at boxing videos or the um, MMA or, or uh, you, where's Ashlyn, the UFC uh, fighting. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Um, but I've, I've, looked, I've looked at that and I'm amazed at the pride that both of those men have before the fight ever happens. I mean, both of them in their own eyes are winners, but everybody knows you've got to have a loser in a fight like that. But neither one of them, Brother Deke, are going to admit, I'm going down tonight. I told you last Sunday, Vander Holyfield, Holyfield come out of uh, retirement and uh, he prepared. And, and what was it in the first round? Is that what we figured out? First round, he got knocked, plumb, slapped all the way, come on out. But he didn't go in it, Brother David, to lose. He come out of retirement to whoop this young fella, but he lost. So I say that to say this, that by pride cometh contention. What those men and what those women are doing when they fight is they are contending. And when you contend, it brings contention. There is a fight. There is a separation. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, I'm not as spiritual as y'all think I am. Jesus told us, the Bible tells us we ought to turn the other cheek. I'm not going to stand up here and say that I will always do that. I might, could, but if you hit me hard enough, once I get out of the hospital, I'm coming back and I'm going to whoop somebody. I might bring a baseball bat, I might bring a football bat or something other, but we're going to have, we're going to have a weapon on, on hand. I'm just going to be honest with you. But, these guys, they they go into these rings or these chain link fences. It's the dumbest thing I've ever seen. With the purpose of getting their face busted in, their ear all messed up, their eye bloody, and everything else. And some of them, not all of them, once the, the fight is done, Miss Jean, they'll go out and get a meal together. Nah. If you want me that hard... We ain't talking for a little while. I'm just going to tell you. We ain't going to talk for just a little while while I try to figure out if I want to be friends with you or not. But it stirs up contention. What does? Pride. And so we look at this in Proverbs 13.10. Only by pride cometh contention. But with the well-advised is wisdom. It's the source of wrong contention or a contentious spirit, always at odds. It seems like there's a saying that I hated, I absolutely hated when I first heard it, and having the attitude of a victim. And I didn't understand what it meant, 
and uh, I had to I had to process that in my own mind. And, and now, as I see that happening, and someone is always the victim. It's always somebody else's fault. There's a problem, but it's not my fault. It's someone else's fault. You hurt me, and you could be telling the truth, but you hurt me. Whatever the case is, I, I think of this in this contentious spirit. It's as if you almost feel like everyone is out to get you, so you are at odds with everyone. And what that comes from is a prideful heart. You are saying that I'm better than what they think I am, but they don't like, and you'll come up with all kinds of excuses to make yourself a victim in this. Now, this is not a self-help message. I just had to say that tonight about this contentious spirit. Proverbs 21, verse number 24. Proud and haughty scorner is his name, who dealeth in proud wrath. The scripture just called somebody by name, and it wasn't Bob, it wasn't, it wasn't any normal name. He said, proud and haughty scorner is his name. Boy, how'd you like to carry that joker around with you? Learn, learn how to spell all that in first grade and write it in cursive in second grade and go through life saying, proud and haughty scorner's coming. Boy, that'd be rough. But the reason that he was called that is he dealeth in proud wrath. And here it means an outburst. It means that it flows out of you naturally. The word wrath, it means overflowing fury or an outburst of fury. And there are some folks, and we can all admit it tonight in a small congregation like this, there are some folks that their personality is one that's mad all the time. I see it all the time and I wonder, and, and I know folks very, very personally that deal with this. And, and I just wonder, what is going to make them happy? What is going to make them happy? But what they're dealing with is this giant of pride. They're dealing with this, as one scripture put it, this haughty spirit. But here, they are dealing with pride a haughty spirit, they're a scorner. Why? Because they're dealing with proud wrath. They're excited about their outpouring of fury. I could call one person's name tonight. He's uh, has been in the national spotlight since 2015. I'll just go ahead and say it. I don't care. <clears throat> Donald Trump. He is no longer our president. I feel like he ought to be, but that's a whole nother message, maybe, right there. But there's one thing about Mr. Trump, is he is prideful. Now, I'm not his doctor. I'm not his preacher. I'd love to be. I'd love to be able to share the gospel with the man. I really would. But whether it was him or whether some pauper here in America's Georgia... To have proud wrath is no place I want to be. And that is what he has shown. He's not the only one. I'm not just picking on him, but everyone would know that name. It is divisive. Pride is divisive. So now, very quickly, let's look. This message, believe it or not, only has two points. 
<clears throat> only has two points. We gave you the one, now we'll give you the other. The first one was, <coughs> excuse me, the problem of pride. And that was three weeks ago. Now, dealing with the power of humility, let's define it real quick. Humility is honestly assessing ourselves, now listen, in light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. I, I, I've made this illustration, made this statement before that years ago I preached a message. I couldn't even tell you what it was. But in it, I said that we need to measure ourselves against the cross. And I've made this illustration. If we could pretend for a moment that this column was the cross, we could take the highest or the tallest person here, the shortest person here, the, the best looking person in here, the ugliest person in here, whatever it is, and we can measure ourselves up against them and we can say, well, I'm, I, I'm right here on the tallest or I'm taller than this person or I'm not as heavy as this one. I'm better looking with this, I'm more better looking than this one. I'm not as quiet as good looking as this one. And that would get us nowhere, brother Jody. But if we measure ourselves against the cross and we measure ourselves, what I'm saying is against Christ, then all of the other things matters not to the Spirit of God. But if we can measure ourselves in humility, and what was that definition? To honestly assess ourselves in light of God's holiness and our sinfulness. And honey, if we can get to that point where we realize even though we are saved, even though we do possess eternal life, and that was given freely by God, we still have things in our hearts that do not belong. And that is sin. And we need to get it out of our lives. And in order to do that, we're going to have to recognize God's holiness. And I don't care who you are, whether you are a pauper here, or you're a prince, or you're the pope, or whatever. There's sin in your life when we compare it to God's holiness. I'm at a point in my life, let me see if I, oh yeah, that's a good example. I'm at a point in my life, Brother Jody, and I've watched you do it for the last nearly three years. Doing this right here. Get back here in the light. You turn it just the right way. Oh, yeah, I got it now. Miss Mildred asked me a question about a, the thing. Miss Mildred, I don't know if you called it Miss, Miss Irene. I don't know if you was watching me, but I looked at it about, about three months ago. I'd have been all right. But I started pulling that thing out this way and started looking at that joker. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all too scared to admit it. But I'm finna go somewhere. <clears throat> what happens for me, Miss Denisha, is I could see it. But if I ever get it in the light, I could see it a lot clearer. If we can ever get ourselves in the light, I'm about to run, in the light of God's holiness. No matter how good we came into church, we'll see that there's room for improvement. If we can get ourselves... Whoa, Nelly. If we can get ourselves (laughs) to a point where we say, God, just shine on me. Man, I I don't... Y'all, some of y'all raise chicken eggs and stuff like that. That's out of my wheelhouse. I ain't dealing with it. But And I don't know if y'all do it at the house or not, but, but 
Brother Bobby, I've seen it on the YouTube. And that's the closest I plan on getting. Is they take and they 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 have that shell, they have that egg, but they'll shine a light through it. Now I can't remember the exact purpose of all that, but they're checking, to make sure it ain't no fingers and nubs and all that kind of stuff in it, cracks and all that kind. Of, why, brother Kenny? Why could they see it? Because they had it in the light. And you and I need to get, and we're talking about pride, but somehow I know that this has got on me. We need to get under the light of God. In humility, we need to assess our own misgivings and our own sinfulness in light of God's holiness. That's the power or the, the, the defined power of humility. Now, <clears throat> here's the brunt of the message. We'll give you a few scriptures We'll say this tonight. Talking about this power of humility, we told you, number one, it is defined. Then number two, tonight, you're blessed if you have it. Think for a moment of what is available who walk humbly before God. Let's look at some scriptures. God lives with the humble. Isaiah chapter number 57, verse number 15. For thus saith the high and lofty one that inhabiteth eternity, whose name is holy. I dwell in the high and holy place with him also that is of a contrite and humble spirit to revive the spirit of the humble and to revive the heart of the contrite ones. God lives with the humble. God listens to the requests of the humble. In Psalm 9, 9, verse number 12, When he maketh inquisition for blood, he remembereth them. He forgetteth not the cry of the humble. God listens to the humble. Second Chronicles thirty four twenty seven. Because thine heart was tender, and thou didst humble thyself before God, when thou heardest His words against this place and against the inhabitants thereof, and humblest thyself before me, and didst rend thy clothes and weep before me, I have even heard thee, saith the Lord. There's a blessing for being humble. And this is the cure... For pride. And it's hard. Especially if you dealt with pride all of your life. It's hard to all of a sudden become humble. I'm just being real tonight. I don't know that I've ever by default been a proud person. I've always had a sense of humility. But there's been quite a few times in my 42 years... That I've become proud. And I'll be, I'll be honest, even further tonight, I was proud, I don't know if this is gonna make sense when it comes out, I was proud of my pride. And when it got to that point, brother Jody, guess what? Knocked down a couple notches. Took to the woodshed. Reminded of God's holiness and the humility that I needed in my life. Let's continue to look. God loadeth the humble with benefits. Psalm 68 verse number 19. Blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us, uh, loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. What kind of benefits can those who walk in humility expect? 
I think we can sum it up in, in one word. Grace. We started today's service off with amazing grace. And most of you know that story, and I'm not going to tell you the story tonight. You need to look it up. And you need to read it in its entirety. Matter of fact, I encourage you to get, get a biography of John Newton and read it cover to cover to really grasp the depth of the words that he wrote. But we started. And those two words that started it all, Miss Barbara, was amazing grace. What can we expect? What, what kind of benefits can we expect? James 4, verse 6, But He giveth more grace. Wherefore, He saith, listen, we've read this before, He giveth more grace. But He said, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. He repeats Himself. God repeats Himself by a different man. That was James chapter number 4, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse number 5. He says, For God resisteth the proud, and giveth grace to the humble. God exalts. God lifts up. God promotes the humble. Matthew 23, verse number 12, And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. We look at that passage that I read there in Philippians chapter number 2. What did Jesus do? He humbled Himself. What did God do? He exalted Him. James chapter number 4, verse number 10. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. Matthew chapter number 18, verse number 4. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is greatest in the kingdom. Of heaven. There's something about humility. Humility can be attained by an honest evaluation of who we are and who He is. Honest evaluation can only be done in the light of God's Word, not in the recesses of our own sinful heart. If we're not careful going back to this light that we mentioned and this light of God's Word, if we're not careful, we'll, we'll get introspect, we'll, we'll turn, we'll look inside us and we'll do it outside of God's Word and we'll begin to justify all of the things that we find wrong in our hearts. But, If we compare the wrong in our hearts with the righteousness that we find in God's Word, there is no justification for those wrongs. Y'all with me tonight? Mark chapter number 7, verse number 20 down through verse 23. And he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. Verse 21, For from within, out of the heart of men, proceed evil thoughts, 
adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Thank you, Brother Deke. I appreciate that. The same dark condition of the human heart was described by Paul. That was Mark chapter number 7. Paul wrote in Galatians chapter number 5, verse number 19, Now the works of the flesh are manifested, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Jeremiah In chapter number 17, verse number 9, reminds us of the deceitfulness of the heart. The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. Who can know it? Probably every time this passage of Scripture is preached from or quoted, we we use this statement or something related to it. The old phrase is, just follow the heart. Trust your heart. You better be careful trusting your heart. Better be careful following your heart. And and following your heart doesn't necessarily mean a relationship or or anything of that. I mean, it could be you want a, a new house. And you find the perfect one. You, you're looking for a new church. And you find the perfect one. Whatever it may be. Be careful following your heart. Because it is deceitful. He said, who can know it? The Pharisee in our text. Luke chapter number 18, verse number 11. Let's look about the middle of this thing. He said, God, I thank Thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. He was deceived in his own heart's wickedness. He began to thank God that he was not like other men, including this this publican. That was within earshot, apparently. But Jesus says there in verse 14 that the publican went justified rather than the other. Why? Because he exalted himself. Brother Kenny, he was prideful in his prayer. He was praying to himself. One writer said he was praying to himself about himself and couldn't see himself for who he really was. He wasn't really praying to God. He was just praying to himself. And that's what we do in pride. We get, we get to the point where we feel like we need to pray or we, we think we're doing that obligatory prayer. And so we just start talking about how good we are. 
to a God that's a whole lot bigger and I'm going to say it a whole lot gooder than we are all the time we're just praying to ourselves about ourselves for ourselves there's a book named The Calvary Road if y'all can come with a song of invitation The Calvary Road a man by the name of Roy Hessian wrote and I guess he, my understanding, he quoted this from a, an African hymn. And he said, Lord, bend that pr- proud and stiff-necked eye. Help me to bow the head and die. Beholding Him on Calvary, who bowed His head for me. This giant of pride, I'll say it as I started in the beginning. The question is not, does this giant exist in my life? But rather, where does this giant exist? You may not be dealing with pride, with this giant of pride right now. But I'm going to tell you a little secret. If you begin to get boastful about not having pride, you have pride. And so you may be thinking, well, this message, this series is not for me. I'm not dealing with this particular giant. I'm just going to file that one in. Maybe I might listen to it later on. And that's wonderful. I'm glad. But I want us to know tonight That if we lose sight of Calvary and what Christ did there, if we lose sight of the fact of God's holiness, like we see all throughout Scripture, and we depend on how good we are. Y'all hear that? We depend on how good we are. Or we begin to compare ourselves with, quote unquote, the brethren. And we say, well, I'm not as bad as they are then you've lost sight of Calvary. Let's stand tonight.